Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right. It's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Jacqueline Jones will join us to discuss medical parenting. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world-famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. Well, parenting can be an adventure, but helping us along the way is Dr. Jacqueline Jones. Dr. Jones is faculty at the Weill Cornell Medical College and is listed as one of America's top doctors. She's written the new book, Medical Parenting, How to Navigate Health, Wellness, and the Medical System with Your Child. And Dr. Jones, thank you so much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Great. Thank you so much for having me. A uh, fascinating book, especially for anyone with children. I'm curious why you decided to write the book. So I wrote the book because I find that parents are becoming overloaded with the amount of information that's available to them. You know, the internet is a wonderful thing and Google is a wonderful thing, but it provides so much information and there's no filter on that information. So you go in and you type in headaches. Well, you know, the one first thing that's going to come up is brain tumor. And that's because everyone is Googling what the worst thing that could happen when they have a headache is. So that's the thing that populates. And that's not really helpful. So what I wanted to do is have a place where parents could get information that would be helpful for them and not make them crazy. As you mentioned, there's certainly a lot of information out there. Do you find that it's to help uh, parents engage more with the medical system or does it draw them even further away? Both. I mean, I think that the amount of information that we have access to is wonderful. I think it helps to educate parents when they know what they're Googling and when they're looking for. But when you just go in and try to be a physician by using the Internet to diagnose your problems or your child, that's when you get into, into trouble. Not only a doctor, but you're also a parent. Did that give you a unique perspective when writing the book? Oh, my goodness. I tell you, it was... Being a parent, I think, is the hardest job any of us have. And I think being a parent made me so much connect with what other parents are going through. There's nothing more important to me in my life than my children. Um, They're 28 and 24, and I still worry about them every single day. So being a parent is really a tough job, and you have a lot of emotion. You have a lot of worry. You know, if you get diagnosed with a problem and just say, okay, I'm going to just deal with this. But when it's your child, it adds that extra added burden of being so emotionally tied to them. So, yes, being a parent has definitely made me a better physician. Why do you think the medical system seems so daunting and challenging to front? Well, again, I think it goes back to that issue as far as access and information. I mean, you know, I'm in New York City and there's probably a thousand pediatricians in a small area of Manhattan that, you know, parents can choose from. So finding someone who you can connect with, finding someone who you can understand. Also, medicine has changed. When I grew up, you know, you visited the doctor and you saw the same doctor all the time. They even made house calls. Now medicine has become much more um, sort of almost regimented. 
Physicians have to see so many more patients. There's larger group practices. There's physician extenders like nurse practitioners and physician's assistants. So there's so much choices and so many people who can be involved in your children's care that sometimes that can become overwhelming as well. What things should people look for when they're trying to find a good practitioner for their The most important thing is to know yourself. Is this your first child and you need a little bit more hand-holding? You need someone to spend more time and explain things in a really thorough, comprehensive manner, and you really want to see the same person every single time. Well, then maybe you should choose a smaller practice. If this is your third kid, you got this, you really don't need a lot of support, well, maybe one of the larger group practices where you may not see the same person all the time is okay with you. The person who's good for your mother-in-law or your best friend may not be the right person for you. And it's really important to remember that we usually don't get married after the first date. So it may take a couple of dates to get to know that physician so you find that you really have a good chemistry. And that's the most important thing to develop that chemistry. So I really recommend that early on after you do choose that pediatrician, both you and your spouse or significant other go to a couple of appointments together so you both can feel comfortable. And also, if you have a caregiver, if you have a nanny at home or your mom or your dad who's going to be taking care of your children, bring them to the appointments as well because you want them to feel comfortable with that practitioner and the practice and also the practice to feel comfortable with them so that, God forbid, there was an emergency, they know where to go and the practice knows them. You feel comfortable both from a personality standpoint, but also from a medical standpoint. You know, there's, there's parents who really don't want to use antibiotics and they'll do everything they can to try and use more holistic, biological type medications or homeopathy. There's other parents who don't feel that it really fits with their lifestyle. So finding a practitioner who mirrors the things that are important to you is really, really important. So do your research. And, you know, if it isn't a right fit, find somebody new. If it's one of your first kids, you probably think everything's an emergency, but when should we be calling the one? <laughs> it's so true, isn't it? <laughs> In my book, Medical Parenting, I have a whole chapter on really what you need to consider are emergencies. But that's the purpose of having those really calm, lengthy visits with your pediatrician during the first couple of months of childhood. So they can explain to you what constitutes an emergency? You know, when do you call? When you can just do a phone consultation? When you need to come in the office? And God forbid, when you need to call 911. So again, really, really important that all the people involved in your child's life in a significant way, like your nanny, your spouse or significant other, and you attend those appointments. about dental care? Dental care is really, really anxiety-provoking. I mean, I think all of us have anxiety about going to the dentist. Add that into having your child go to the dentist, and it's it's really can be difficult. And one thing I really stress with parents is try not to have your anxiety flow over onto your child. Try and get your own anxiety under control first before you even suggest talking about the dentist. And, you know, obviously you can say we're going to go visit a two- or a three-year-old. We're going to go visit that, you know, another special doctor who's going to, you know, look at your teeth. And it's also just like you did with your pediatrician, taking time to research, you know, practitioners and find a dentist who really fits what's important to you and who's really child-friendly.
pediatric dentists are really wonderful. They've done this before. This is not the first child who they've taken care of. So going in, telling them if you're nervous, making sure that your child has a chance not to rush into the appointment. They have a chance to sort of transition, going in with them, but being open with the dentist and allowing the dentist to do what they do best. Interact with your child, develop a relationship, and take care of them. Kids to teens to uh, you know young adults, how does uh, choosing medical practitioners change or, or should it change during those times? Well, you and I both know, little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. So, you know, it's funny, I'll have the mother of a two-year-old come in and say, oh, this is so hard. So just you wait till they're 15 years old and haven't come home with the car keys yet. <laughs> you don't know what torture is. So <laughs> that's a special brand reserved for parents of adolescents. So, yeah, you have to know your child. And it's really, really important during adolescence to listen. Really, really important in developing that relationship with your child to listen and to be available for them. Now, not every adolescent loves their pediatrician. And, you know, you have to be open that maybe they may not want to go to the doctor. But it's really important to involve them in their medical care. As they're hitting that 13, 14, 15-year-old range, they should really be sort of involved in that visit. You should give them time to talk to the pediatrician. You should give the pediatrician time to develop a relationship with them. And if you're asked to leave the room by either your child or the pediatrician, do it. Because what you want to do is you want to have a safe space for your child to have someone who can talk to about the scary things in adolescence, you know, the things they're exposed to, like alcohol and drugs, and talk about their sexuality, and have someone beside you to sort of develop a relationship with so they can talk to about things that they may not feel comfortable talking to you about. And again, if your teenager really isn't feeling, isn't feeling it with the pediatrician, it's okay to switch become young adults and some head off to college, some just head off. How much influence can we have on medical care then? It is so hard letting go. Um, one of the more difficult things I've done is dropping my kids off at college and walking away and not calling them. You have to be remember that they're adults, but not really. So we want to make sure that we sort of check in on them during those first couple of weeks, months of college. And I made a rule for my boys that they had to either Skype or FaceTime or call me once a week. I want to hear the voice, but in the best case scenario, see their face. So I knew that they were doing okay. I mean, I know my kids, you, you know, parents know their kids and you want to make sure that you're not letting them get into a place where they're not healthy where anxiety or depression or eating disorders is taking hold and they're at college by themselves and not seeking help. So really making sure that you keep connected to your child, but on the other hand, letting them mature into adulthood. So you don't want to call them every single day. You don't want to be texting them 10 times a day, but you do want to check in on them. And when you feel that over that period where they've sort of adjusted, step back. They really need to start transitioning to adulthood. So they need to come home and get a physical. Well, okay, let's have, you know, involve them in that. Okay, when can you go? Do you want me to make the appointment or would you like to make it yourself? When they do come home, how are you going to get to your appointment? Are you going to Uber? Do you want to drive? Or are you just going to get there on your own? And 
do you want me to come? Happy to, but I don't have to. So again, giving them as much quote unquote rope as they can so that they can really start transitioning to having responsibility for their own care, but being there if they need you. Oftentimes we let our own health slip by advice on time for ourselves, taking care of our own health. It's so important. You know, when you get on the plane, they say, put your oxygen mask on before you help someone else. It's such an important thing. If we're not healthy, if we're anxious, if we're distracted, we're not going to be good for our children no matter what age they are. So running around and eating chicken nuggets and mac and cheese and never making it to the gym is not a good role model for your children. They mirror so much of what they see in us. So establishing a healthy diet, having exercise being a part of your life, making your relationship with your significant other as well as your friends important, and modeling to your children that you can live live a happy, healthy life is going to make you a better parent and make them transition into a healthy and happy adult. There's a lot of great advice here in this book, but if if there are a couple pieces of advice you could give parents out there, what, what might they be? First is, Find a great pediatrician and stay with them if it's working. The second is don't Google medical problems. Visit your healthcare practitioner and let them help you figure out what the problem is. The third is develop a great relationship with your child. Listen, be there, turn off your cell phones at dinner, try and make it home for dinner, and try and concentrate on being the healthiest, best We were just talking with Dr. Jacqueline Jones, author of the new book, Medical Parenting, How to Navigate Health, Wellness, and the Medical System with Your Child. And Dr. Jones, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.groks.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.